my entire life. I had dreamed of having a beautiful grand home like that one. It was everything I had always fantasized about, especially whenever I saw anyone else who had a home like this. In my mind, people who owned this type of house were further along than me. They were happier than me. They were better off than me. They had made it this, that house, that life, that was happily ever after. Hey there, I'm Renee, a self-proclaimed shopaholic turned minimalist. In just three years, my family and I downsized our house, paid off debt, and I learned to make passive income online so I could work anytime, anywhere. We did all of this in pursuit of a life of more freedom, flexibility, and fun. And the crazy part is, the more I detached from my stuff, the more I was able to let go of pesky habits like people-pleasing, saying yes to everyone, and being who I thought I was supposed to be rather than showing up authentically as who I am. That's why I want you to see the Unstuffed podcast not as a place for all things decluttering and organizing, but rather as a place where together we can unload it all. From donating those pants that no longer fit to bidding adieu to those relationships that have run their course, I want you to see our time together as a time where you can unwind, let go, come as you are, and there is no need to apologize for the mess. So let's shed some layers, drop some dead weight, and start living a little less stuffed. Welcome to the Unstuffed Podcast. Hey there, it's me, Renee. Welcome back to the Unstuffed Podcast. Before we kick off today's episode, I wanted to take the time to read one of my favorite reviews from you guys. This one is from EGH1500, and it says, I love this podcast. I started listening as an aspiring minimalist, and I really appreciate how Renee goes deeper than surface level on so many different topics. Super relatable and fun to listen. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave this, and it's kind of a perfect review because it fits hand in hand with today's episode. Remember, if you are a longtime listener, it means so much to me when you take the time to leave these reviews, not only because I get to hear from you guys, but I get to share your reviews with everyone else. That being said, let's dive in to another podcast where we're going to talk about how minimalism goes so much further than things. So people often find it really weird when I share that my minimalist journey didn't really start with the desire to get my house in order. It's true that when we moved into our big, beautiful four-bedroom, four-bathroom dream house, it wasn't long before I found myself drowning in the overwhelm of trying to keep it up. There was always something that needed to be picked up, updated, cleaned. The entire process seemed never-ending. That alone sent me into the occasional random bursts of decluttering madness for sure. The truth is we really didn't have a lot of stuff to begin with. I guess for the first time in my life, I'm admitting that when we lived in our bigger house, I was already kind of a minimalist. I was minimalist in my home everywhere except in my closet. That was not minimal at all. While I was feeling the overwhelm of having a much bigger space to care for, the truth of why I started minimalism was so much bigger. And I would love for you to pause throughout this episode to consider if any of these things apply in your life as well. 
So one of the first things that started to hit me was the wasted space of our house. I have counted multiple times and including our beautiful entryway that seemed to collect stray toys and dust, we had a total of 17 rooms in this house and a massive storage area. Now we have nine rooms and three of them are basically one cozied up room in itself. My entire life, I had dreamed of having a beautiful grand home like that one. It was everything I had always fantasized about, especially whenever I saw anyone else who had a home like this. In my mind, people who owned this type of house were further along than me. They were happier than me. They were better off than me. They had made it this, that house, that life, that was happily ever after. The funny thing about happily ever after is I remember a moment when I was probably around four or five and my mom was reading me a story before bed. Of course, at the end of the story, she said, and they lived happily ever after. So I asked her, does this mean that they were happy forever after? The idea that once people collected all the things, the prints, the house, they would forever be happy made me feel so excited. Of course, at this moment in my life, everything in my life was pretty great. But my tiny little mind loved the idea of reaching a final destination of happiness, time of no more worries, no more struggles, just happy. After that, My life turned into one sucker punch after the next, and life got really, really hard. But still, some part of me believed that happy forever after was still attainable. And the more stressful my life got, the more I wanted that happy ever after feeling. I remember being a kid, my dad in the midst of a divorce, and my mom wasn't far from one when the movie Father of the Bride came out. In the movie, Steve Martin's character, George Banks, says this exact quote. This is our house, 24 Maple Drive. Annie was just in grammar school when we bought it. A few years later, we got a surprise package, our son, Matt. I love this house. I love that I taught my kids to ride their bikes in the driveway. I love that I slept with them in tents in the backyard. I love that we carved our initials in the tree out front. This house is warm in the winter, cool in the summer, and looks spectacular with Christmas lights. It's a great house. I never want to move, but the thing I think I like best about this house are the voices I hear when I walk through the door. As a kid with divorced parents and divorcing parents slash step-parents, I heard this quote and all I heard was, this house made all these wonderful things possible. When Tom and I would do our Christmas Eve tradition of driving through the neighborhoods with our kids, looking at Christmas lights, the ones that looked like the Banks' house from Father of the Bride were always the ones that stood out to me. I would always hug my little hot cocoa tighter, lean in toward Tom and say, oh, that's my dream house. Look at that one. Look at the Christmas lights on that one. Little did I know, all of those years, that subliminal message had snuck into my brain as a kid that told her that this particular style of house meant a happy family and a happy life. Growing up in a lot of dysfunction, there was nothing more I wanted than a happy family, and I believed 
that a house was part of making it happen. When the realization that maybe the house wasn't what I wanted started to sink in was during the house tours that I gave after we first moved in. It was funny how when we moved into a big house, more people wanted to get a tour. People got more excited, looked at us differently, and talked to us with a little bit more respect in their voice. I wish this wasn't true, but it is. However, what I quickly came to realize was that I got bored of hearing myself talk about our space. I would walk through the main level, upstairs, and then when I'd put my hand on the basement door, every time the basement door, this icky feeling of, are we still doing this, came over me. The enjoyment of showing off my space, my perceived status, was really short-lived and very quickly felt gross, boring, and excessive. This feeling of excess spilled over into my photography business because I was continually collecting more and more backdrops and props, and there was this feeling of underlying grossness about all of it. I just hated accumulating. To top it off, my days as a photographer seemed to quickly feel full of fake smiles and forced togetherness. Most of the families I worked with were laid back, gracious, and loving, and I will never, ever forget them soon. So let me just say that. However, there was without fail so many people screaming at their kids, husband or wife, all in the name of a good photo. In two weeks, they would share the photos to social media with some sort of live, laugh, love quote, and you couldn't help but feel like it was all a lie. Now, let me just say, as a mom who is well known for her occasional freakouts, occasional, I am not saying that these parents were fake or it wasn't really that they were not grateful for their family or their little ones. I'm sure they 100% were. We all have moments of freakouts, but still it all started to feel fake. Like they were saying cheese in front of the camera and I was saying it after I put the camera away. I was faking happy forever after on every level, and I was feeling it. Now, I know not everyone will buy into the fact that I say I'm someone who allows myself to be more and more led by intuition. I know this can sound hokey, crazy, or even too woo-woo for people to handle, but the reality is I believe we are all naturally meant to be led by our intuition. If you want more talk on intuition, I definitely recommend going back to episode 45, where I talk to Kayleen Elise all about how to tap into that intuitive voice. Because if you consider, when we look at nature and animals, they show up for this life with so much less hustle, strife, and anxiety than we do. And it's largely due to the fact that they simply listen to their instincts, their knowledge. Just like turtles instinctively flock toward the water when they're born and baby birds practice flapping their wings, I believe that we as humans are all meant for something. Our instincts specifically want us to show up for this one life in some way. The trouble we run into is that because we are all humans, we are all watching what other humans are doing as an indication of what we should or shouldn't do. Kind of like me and the big house. We fill our house, schedule, and workload with things that we believe are the ticket to success because someone else said so. We fill our closets with the latest trends because, well, 
that's what everyone else is wearing. We get peer pressured into drinking, smoking, binge watching Game of Thrones. If everyone else is doing it, it's probably what I should be doing. Well, the more I found myself reading spiritual material, the more I started second guessing everything I had ever thought I wanted. And it all started with this one belief. If I have a feeling I was made for more than I currently have, then I was. I was sitting there in my beautiful home, the home I had always dreamed of living in. I was overwhelmed by this idea that all of those thoughts, dreams, and ideas in my head actually might be like a pre-programmed message from God. Like what I was meant to do, swim or fly, was etched into my DNA, and yet I was ignoring it. Why was I ignoring it? Well, because everyone else was ignoring it. Everyone had told me to ignore it. And of course, everyone was telling me that a big hope or dream was unrealistic or impossible. Stick to something more solid, more grounded. Have that as a backup plan. Do that after you go to college. Do that after you achieve this bigger goal. The thing is, for me, all of that solid groundedness was making me feel like I was drowning. It was like I was the bird who had been forced to tread water in the ocean, being gaslit into believing that that was where I belonged. Every fiber of my being fought me on the idea that maybe I really did have a purpose. But a small voice inside kept saying, what if? What What if? What if I just tried? What if I just attempted living life how I wanted to? Things might fall apart, sure, but they already kind of were, so maybe I should at least give it a try. This is where spiritual minimalism came into play. If I had been filling my life up with what everyone else had told me I needed, if I had been dressing for everyone else, chasing what everyone else told me to chase, the only way I was going to find myself and my purpose was by eliminating whatever I had been trying to fill my life with that didn't feel aligned. So I headed to my closet. I want to say, almost instinctively, I slammed down the book that I was reading grabbed a garbage bag, and headed upstairs to my closet where I did the most backwards decluttering method ever. I grabbed all of the items that I always wanted to wear, the stuff that made me feel the most comfortable or happy to be in. I pulled out any accessories that might go with them so that they would all have matching items, and then I got rid of the rest. This was the beginning of my three-year clothing freeze where I could go cold turkey on buying clothes. This is another thing that I talk about in episode 49. I would accept hand-me-downs from friends, which gave me this amazing opportunity to try new styles that I previously wouldn't have. And I found new things that I liked. One of them being quality items. As a self-proclaimed bargain shopper, I was usually scooping up any leftover clothing that didn't sell and had been marked down. One of my friends always bought clothing from more expensive places, and I loved the way those clothes looked and felt. Another friend had a really fun vintage style, and I loved the chic classical feeling that they gave me when I put them on. This continual letting go process brought me to an epiphany one day, a moment that would forever change my life. 
The moment where I raced up the stairs to the double doors of our primary bedroom, the ones I always wished I had in my house, sat down next to Tom and said, I think we should sell the house. No, I didn't think moving would save us necessarily. And no, I didn't blame all of our problems on the house. I simply realized that what mattered the most to me the entire time had been my family, having my family near me, that close family unit that George Banks was really talking about in Father of the Bride. That's what I wanted, what I had always wanted. It was just that I was finally figuring it out. Coming from many broken homes as a kid, all I wanted for my marriage and my children was a solid family unit, and this house wasn't really helping. We were spread further apart than ever. Weekends were spent catching up on projects, updating the yard or the house, trying to keep things clean, or me working extra hours trying to make sure we could keep affording to live in the house and still do fun things. The hustle of maintaining this lifestyle was taking its toll on all of our family members, and I knew we had to at least try life without the house to see if we might be able to repair what was being broken. Of course, if you've been following me for a while, you know life has gotten pretty awesome after downsizing the big house. We freed up enough income to pay off debt. I had more time to learn how to make passive income online. No screaming photography clients necessary. In the last six years, we moved. We have learned how to slow down, to take breaks, and all around enjoy our lives more. We haven't totally escaped the hustle mindsets we used to live by, but we're dangerously close, I want to say. I have built work that feels meaningful and fulfilling, and Tom is teetering on the edge of that too. With our kids, we've traveled more, had more experiences, and way fewer financial worries. Like way, 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 way fewer. (laughs) We aren't trying to keep up with anyone else. We are only trying to focus on living our lives in the absolute best, most fulfilling way we possibly can for ourselves and in a way that feels absolutely amazing. So yeah, I didn't start minimalism as a way to get more organized or to clean less, although that was most definitely part of it. I started eliminating stuff from my life so that I could spiritually connect to my inner calling on a deeper level. Never will I say that material wealth is bad, but if it is running your life, if you find yourself hustling to keep up or fit in, then you are living out of alignment. Taking the time to find myself, listen to my intuition, understand my purpose and my calling a little more each day, and then buying things from a place of peace and self-understanding, that has been true abundance. And I tell you all of this today because if any of this is right up your alley and you love the idea of talking more about all things spiritual, soulful minimalism, scroll down to the show notes and join my brand new newsletter subscription called Soulful Minimalism. Each week, I'm going to be sending uplifting content, decluttering prompts, quotes that you can share and save, and so much more. And it's all going to come right to your inbox. So, If you want to connect with me more on this particular type of minimalism, make sure you sign up because I would love to connect with you more on it. Until next time, sending you so much love. Hey again, thanks so much for hanging out with me today on the Unstuffed Podcast. It means so much that you chose to carve out some of your precious time 
just to hang out with me. If you aren't quite ready for our time to end, head to the show notes where you can grab my free declutter checklist, join my newsletter subscription, and connect with me on some of your favorite social platforms. Sending you so much love until next time.